everyone. Welcome to Season 5, Episode 3 of the Overseas Famous Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Owens. I'm joined by Tamir Goodman, one of the premier players uh, who came in the same time period I did. I remember you very vividly because we're around the same age. I remember the the uh, Sports Illustrated. I remember all of that and just being like, this is so cool. So it's really cool to be able to sit down and talk to you all these years later now that we're both retired and kind of out of uh, off the court and doing other ventures right now. But it's really it's fun to talk to you because I definitely followed you from when I was in high school at that age as well. So Tamir, welcome to the show. We're, we're psyched to have you today. I'm thankful to be here and thank you for the kind words. Yeah, of course. So let's go right into the uh, Aviv net, which is you, you're an entrepreneur. You've Once you've gotten done basketball, you've taken on this uh, new venture and you've created the Aviv net. Let's take us through that. Tell us what the Aviv net is and uh, how that's revolutionizing basketball. Well, I've been front office here now in Jerusalem for Paul Jerusalem. It's a professional team in Jerusalem for this, is my ninth season. And during the pandemic, we got an email from the basketball association that said, uh, we can no longer pass a basketball in practice. Every player needs to have their own ball because there's bacteria on the ball. And if you pass the ball, you could play players sick or make the referee sick. And we actually know a ref that got sick. So I was like, well, why don't, you know, we've updated every other part of the game, you know, but we've been using the same net for so long. Why don't we create a net that disinfects the ball every time you make a shot and then also dries it from sweat because basketball players have been playing with like a sweaty, gross ball for far too long. So I hustled around for a year until we got it right. And um, thank God now we have the first ever moisture wicking and antimicrobial basketball net. And then we also have like this advertising component on it where you know you could customize your net put your own logo on there or sponsors logos on there so it's kind of changed it basketball from the player's perspective in that it allows you to perform better and keep you safer but also from like a marketing perspective you could you know increase your team spirit or sell that space because it's great real estate we just closed with one of the bigger banks in israel that's going to be featured in our net and our home games at a Paul jerusalem because every time there's an instant replay or every time like there's a good picture of like a dunk or something your company's logo is going to be like right on the net so uh, you could take the logo on and off it's in-game memorabilia you could give it to the sponsors or the mvp after the game so they have in-game memorabilia and it's a really fun project but like i guess the more you understand basketball the more you appreciate how much this net is is doing for your team and your players when I first, when I first, I remember a few, I guess when you first came out with this, we we followed each other and I remember looking and just being like, this is a great idea, especially during the pandemic, because there was so much, you know, how do we, I think the biggest thing is how do we get players to play? How do we get players back on the court safely? How do we get referees back on the court safely? And that thought process, and that's what really good entrepreneurs do. They find a, a, a problem. And they see something, like you said, which was incredible. And it's something I never even thought about. It's like we've been using everything in basketball has been revolutionized, changed uniforms, everything. But the net's just like, oh, yeah, that's 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 the same thing. Like nothing like the backboards have changed, the, the, you know, how the rim handles, you know, contact. The net's like, nah, same old for years. That's a crazy thing to look at and be like, huh, that's. That's interesting that that's still there and everything else is different. Yeah, well, 
you know, about eight or 10 years ago, I invented my first basketball product. Unfortunately, it got stolen from me. Um, but I did manage to get it to market. I did manage to get NBA sales. And, um, you know, I, I've been down this road, but after it got stolen from me, I just thought like, I'm never doing this again. It's not worth it. You, you patent it, you, you invest everything you got in it. And then a big company could just steal it overnight. So, um, I never thought I was going to do something again, but in the pandemic, I just had to face my fears and pick myself up and say, I'm going to give it one more shot. And thank God this time around, I, I've got the right team and it's gone much better. And we've signed with Dick Sporting Goods nationwide. So it's, it's going pretty well. Wow. I think that's a, such a great lesson to entrepreneurs because when I think of overseas athletes and when I think of just athletes in general, I think the next step, there's, there's like three avenues. It's like, okay, what did my, you know, what, the, what networks do I already have? Like what people do I already know where I can get a job? Uh, it's like, okay, let me go into basketball where I'm, you know, coaching or, or doing something with basketball. And then the last avenue is entrepreneurship. And that's always the toughest one. I feel like, because you really have to have that commitment and the knowledge and all these different uh, traits that a lot of overseas players do, but to, to sit down and, and create and not only create, but get back up when things don't go wrong, don't go right is uh, such an attribute that, that is just lost in this world because people, you know, things go wrong. Look at COVID, like things went wrong and it's like, uh, shut down. You see guys, you know, shut down if things don't go right with a contract. I, I think just your message is, is very strong and I'm, I'm appreciative of what you've done and being able to bounce back. It's a really cool thing. Yeah. Thank you. I, like you said, you know, I came over here to play internationally. I think you can't just be a good player to play overseas and make it. You, mm -hmm. you need to be able to be very out of your comfort zone because so many things happen culturally, uh, on the court, off the court, every single thing is different. Contracts are different. Coaches are different. Agents are different. Players are different. The system's different. Everything's different. So unless you're someone that could really pick themselves up, uh, it's going to be very hard to have a long career, um, overseas, you know, I've managed, thank God to play seven years professionally. And now I've been front office for nine years and I see the players that make a good career over here are the players that have that specific attribute of being able to pick themselves up because it is, you're completely out of your comfort zone. It's totally different mm -hmm. than America here and everywhere overseas. So getting into the, uh, Israeli basketball league, you have one of the best leagues in the world, uh, hands down. You know, you you you're, the league is is top. Like, if you're an American and you find out about playing overseas, I, I feel like that's the question I'm asked the most. It's like, oh yeah, I played overseas, and people the first thing people say, where Israel, because it's such a huge league, everyone knows about it. How did that come to be? Uh, where where you know this this league with uh, a national with like good good players but you know when you look at like comparatively to the spains who you know are like the one of the top leagues in the world and the you know the, the frances and things like that how did israel become this powerhouse league uh where it became what it has and it's it's drawing the best athletes from all over the world yeah i think it's because israel is so small it's only about nine miles long you know so <laughs> Yeah. And, um, and, um, you know, you have about 14 top teams that everybody is so close to each other, meaning you have four Americans playing on your team in Jerusalem. You have four players 
American players playing in Tel Aviv, which is only 30 minute train right away. And then in between there, there's two other teams, you know, Hulon, Richel Massillon. So right there, you already have like 12 friends or, you know, 16 friends, American friends that you could have a great, you know, social life with here. The weather's great. Everybody speaks English. Um, it's a very modern state. You know, the technology is unbelievable here. And it's not like if you play in one of these other countries, you're going to have to drive eight hours just to see another American that's not your teammate. And it can get mm. very lonely and it's cold. And, you know, the weather is amazing in Israel. You're surrounded by beaches. Like, and, you know, why would you not want to play here? Everybody loves the food. They love the weather. The people are very, very nice. And it's become very sought after place to play outside of the NBA for sure. And also the age, the NBA, like, I cannot tell you every at all. There's always GMs here. Always. NBA is always here. They're always watching what's going on in Israel. So there's a very strong chance you're going to get a chance to get called up. That is, it, it, I always, I've always noticed that. And you just gave a, a perfect uh, statement as to why uh, Israel is such a great place. But I, and those things you just said, like nine miles wide, like it's something I've really never even thought of. And I know people, you trust me, you know, my fiance, she's just like, uh, I, if you pointed like Maryland out in a map, she'd be like, what's that? So to have, so I, I'm very, very, I've studied, you know, history. I know. So I've never even noticed that that was like nine miles, you know, that's it. And it's such yeah. a small place, but you know, such a powerful, powerful history powerful you know leagues it's it's really interesting to to hear you talk about that yeah israel was actually before the bubble israel is the first league to come back during the pandemic and didn't even have one issue and can finish the season more fat before any other professional team in the world israel is a very problem-solving nation very forward-thinking place you know um you know everybody in israel has to go to the army i, I don't know if you know that yes i did know that yeah yeah the boys and the girls so Basically, what happens is like you, your teams grow up with like a community first attitude instead of me first because they know they're going to have to give back. So when they're 15, 16, 17, it's not like, hey, where am I going to college? Hey, what am I doing? It's like, OK, what unit am I going to be in? Like, where am I going to give back? Uh -huh. And that's why when the pandemic hit here, within 24 hours, they already had two apps going, one app for elderly people to bring them their medicines, like all done, like anywhere throughout Israel, and one app for elderly people to get food delivered to their house without having to leave their house. Wow. They were both set up within 24 hours. So it's just that type of problems. That's why they call it Startup Nation. Like, it's just like a really problem-solving place. That is, that's incredible. I know, I remember the Army thing just because uh, Tom Kaplan, who... uh was from Israel, played at Mammoth with me, and that he was older because he had done his service in Israel before he came to America to play. So I remember just having conversations with him. And, you know, as an American kid, you don't think about that. You don't think about, you know, that service. And then I, I in Korea, it was the same thing. There was guys, we had a good point guard, and they're like, oh, he can't play next year. He's going to, he has to go do a service. And I was like, wow, that's, it's, you, you realize like what Americans take for granted and uh, it really, you know, shows how other nations really uh, step up to, to, to help each other out and, and be a good voice to, you know, be a, be a community. And that's what I think, you know, Israel is, it's a community. It's a great community where people care. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, thank God now we have five, you know, I've been my wife and I've been blessed with five children and I wouldn't want to raise them anywhere else in the world because I see the childhood they have. It's kind of like what we had when we were growing up, meaning if you go to a playground, even today, any day until about eight or nine o'clock at night, there's going to be tons and tons of kids, soccer, basketball, playing on the playground and no parents, no parents. It's completely safe. As soon as it gets a little bit dark, kids go home. If my girls, my daughters have gymnastics, whatever, first, second, third grade, they walk to gymnastics themselves and come home when gymnastics is over or they take a bus by themselves. And it's, com- it's the completely normal because it's a community first country. Uh, it's the same thing. It's And so they have independence. They have freedom. They have then you get to feel a real childhood in America. It's not like your parents need to hover over you every single second. Yep. And, you know, guys come over in the summer. I bring a lot of NBA players over in the summer to my camp and stuff. And that's all, they all leave the same way. They can't believe their eyes. And they just, it, it, it's sad for them. It makes them feel sad that their kids can't really have the same thing in America anymore. Yeah, it's true. And funny story. I mean, I, I always say I, on the podcast, I'm like, if I'm drinking coffee, you know that I'm talking to someone, you know, who's not living in America because, you know, it's early here. Uh, it's eight o'clock in the morning here. Uh, but so I'm drinking coffee. But just thinking about that, I've, I have to go to, ironically, a soccer tournament from like the start from 930 to like five o'clock today. So talking about, you know, the that aspect of raising children you have five children you know i've won but having that aspect of being in a soccer tournament all day it's fun but yeah i definitely uh it's definitely an exhausting day when you really uh when the activities pick up i think at the end of the day you, you your kids you could almost let them know that you trust them more yeah you know you could give them that feeling and it it picks them up and uh-huh I think that's why a lot of it's one of the reasons why a lot of overseas players could come over to the NBA and they're not intimidated yeah. and they can be successful right away because they've had to be much more independent at a much younger age in a lot of countries overseas, basically. Yeah, um, you're right. I think that shapes that shapes you. It shapes you. It shapes who you are. Right. And like I'm looking at my my one one of my sons, he's 15. He plays. So there's no college basketball here. It's yes. the, pro, the pro leagues run all the youth. So by the time you're 16 or 17, you're already training with the pro team. So your mindset is like every game matters. Every practice matters because you're around pros. You're, you're not around. So it, it develops your your professionalism on the court and just being around, you know, a country where you have to make the right decisions and be independent at a younger age. So when they come over to America, a lot of times they're more prepared. When you talk about some of these, you know, Omar Caspi, uh, a player from, you know, Israel who comes over and immediate, same thing, makes a such a good big impact in the NBA because of those traits that you just described was – it wasn't wasn't intimidated walked right on the court and was just like i'm a rookie i'm going at you i've done this before and that's what i don't think other people understand when you go through college here it's just a different it's a different animal it's a different animal than it is overseas it's different i mean it just for caspi's you know specifically like so he grew up down south so like uh-huh. he grew up with f-16s you know flying over his head you know with a lot of 
rockets and things like that. So like, it's just a, he comes from a different mentality. He's seen a lot in life. And number two is he played for Maccabi Tel Aviv. I think he was like 17 and like Maccabi Tel Aviv, the pressure to win there every single game is so it's a super bowl every night. So you, by the time you got to the NBA, you're, you now have 82 games, you know, or regular season. Whereas like he's used to playing like 50 games, 60 games where every single game is a super bowl. It means so much. So by the time he got to like training camp in America, he wasn't intimidated. He just wasn't because a, his background where he grew up and b his professional basketball experience, you know? So it's, uh, yeah, that's what it is, man. Why do you think that is? Why do you think, because you're ex- extremely right. Uh, the 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 pressures of overseas, and it really is every game matters so much. Why do you think that mentality exists there and not here? Because it's less money and less games, and guys are guys are sending their checks home to their wife. Like it's it's you know if you're making two hundred three hundred grand, and you know that's this is your shot. You know, this is your shot. You're not making, you know, $10 million a year. It's like, you got to stay and play and win, you know, because they're good. If you get cut, it, you have to win. Basically you have to win. Like this is the way you're providing for your family, like right here and right now. And um, I think that that's why the games are, you know, like that. And there's less games. You only play twice a week, you know, in the NBA, you, a lot of times you're playing three times a week. So mm-hmm. um you know, when we were growing up in America and I love America, I love America basketball. I love, I, I just experienced it all. I did ABCD camp. I did Nike camp. I did NBA. I did all that. You're playing so much, you know, you're just changing uniform a lot of times, like in the summertime, I just like here I'm playing and I'm playing, I'm playing three games a day almost. Whereas like, I'm looking at my 15 year old now, it's like, he's got like a nutritionist. They got a weight program. They got a mental uh, sports psychologist working with them. Their practice. I went to their practice last week. It was like a college. It was like they're 15. It's like they sprint from drill to drill. Like there's no talking. You listen to the coach. Like it's just like they're really prepared. You know, it's just, I guess, because you're, there are less opportunities maybe in America. You're just like constantly playing, constantly playing, constantly. There's tournaments, thousands of tournaments, thousands of coaches, thousands of opportunities thousands of and it's just a lot everything's a lot less here yeah you i forget it like when i go back to america like i walk into the walmart or target <laughs> and you're just like i'm like wow there's like so much there's america is just like loaded loaded like uh-huh. you know you're not gonna have like 500 deodorants to choose from in israel you know you got a couple of options you, you work with what you have you know or like <laughs> everything in america you know it's like it's just, it's just different. This is a different mentality. There's so many opportunities in America. I think there's less overseas and you got to make the most of it basically. That's the switching of the uniforms really resonates because that's exactly what it is. I feel like you articulated that problem of what the, the major issues with basketball is. Cause even, even guys are, and I feel like we're, we're starting to be the old people like yelling, get off our lawn. But like the guys who are my age, you know, our age, you're starting to look back at what the NBA now is and and I can hear people's comments like oh, these guys don't have any basketball IQ like they're not they're just they're so athletic they're just doing things but when something happens where it needs to be stopped like there's no counter there's no this there's no this there's a lot of good movement but there's not a lot of good thought process and I think you just kind of articulated a major reason why that is is because you're not you're spending more time just changing uniforms going as opposed to like working on the mental aspect of basketball right and 
And, you know, like you also said, you know, the players nowadays, you know, you look at John Morant, you look at these players, their, their skill level is they could, you know, almost rely on athleticism and skill because the players who make it now are so incredibly talented. It's hard Mm -hmm. to even imagine they're just moving their bodies in a different way that we, you know, we didn't even, couldn't even think about. It's just like everything else in life progresses. Like, you know, let's say Dominique did a windmill, you know, so then the next generation is going to do like, a double-handed windmill reverse and the third generation is going to put it between their leg and still man it's just like everything gets built on and built on and built on and now you're watching the culmination of like the combination of all these moves and movements and you know it's like back in the 80s 90s someone could do like a euro step now these kids could do like a euro step you know finished left hand high off the glass off their left foot like just insane <laughs> insane movements and uh it's really fascinating to watch um, and, but that's what they rely on, you know, because they're just that good and that athletic and that quick. I remember having the poster and watching Jordan in that dunk contest when he jumped on the foul line and being like, there's nothing like this that will ever exist ever. Right. And now it's like, that's like a, a four. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, people are like, kids are like windmilling from the, from the yeah. uh, free throw line. Now I saw somebody do a windmill the other day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. You, your commitment uh to becoming a great basketball player it's it's intense you think about you know you, how hard you, we have to work to get to that level but on top of that as you know an orthodox jewish human being male you are able to take on both of those roles and be successful which i think is just such a such a high point because the total commitment needed for both of those things is very high, and you were able to succeed with that. Why was that? Why were you able to be successful with two aspects of your life so devoted? Wow. Um, thank you. Well, first of all, it, you know, it was always one thing. It wasn't two things. I think yeah. that was the answer. Uh, it, Judaism helped me be a better basketball player. Um, first of all, my my grandmother, who only passed away three years ago, was one of the oldest um, Holocaust survivors in the world. She she survived the camps for four years. Not many people could say that. She was in Bergen-Belsen, um, and she lived with us most of the year. So I got to live with like um, a real hero, a superhero, you know, that was just in, just when I tell you, like she got stripped away from her parents and her parents got burnt, you know, she lost her entire family, like in the gas chambers, everything. And she never took a smile off her face. Did she forget what happened? No, she didn't forget what happened. Of course she knew what happened, but she chose to live a happy life. She chose to live a life of giving and a life of kindness and a life of faith. And just growing up around her, it, it just inspired all of us to like unite the physical with the spiritual, which was all Judaism is about. So you could be a basketball player, but try to play with the right reasons, try to unite people, you know, kick to your daily schedule. And it helps you be a better player because it's like, it's all mindfulness. Like in Judaism, like you don't just eat because you're hungry, you eat, you know, to help you have energy to serve God. So that's what you need for basketball. You know, you pray three times a day. Why do you pray three times a day? The same exact prayer. Like, come on, we say the same words every single day. Like, isn't that boring? Does God really need you to say the same words every day? Well, no, it's commitment. God is teaching you that, like, just you want to be a great shooter. You got to shoot over and over and over and over again. Consistency, same way, the right way, get better, you know, improve every day. Like that, you know, everything lends itself. The religion and basketball were seamlessly one for me. Um, You know, it, it. 
playing for a higher purpose was like great for me. You know, all the media attention, it wasn't about me. It was about doing something, you know, not just for my ego, but for something, you know, bigger than myself. And that allowed me to always move forward during the good times and the bad times. So my faith wasn't separate than the basketball. It was like, it was like the greatest thing for basketball, in my opinion. Now, is it hard to practice on a fast day without eating and drinking? It's hard. You know, <laughs> sometimes I had to get off the team bus and walk because the Sabbath was starting. You know, I probably could have had a national championship at Maryland if I would have been willing to play on the Sabbath. Like there comes like decisions that you have to make. But, um, I think if you have, if you know who you are, it's easier to, to make decisions. Sometimes it's almost like they say like a a tree that's like deeply rooted, can't really get knocked over as easily as like, if you have strong roots, it's easier to, you know, make decisions and also easier to help people because you know who you are more, you know, it's Mm -hmm. like, you don't play with the wind. It's like, here's who I am and here's how I could help you. And because I know who I am, you know, I, I, I'm not jealous of you. I, I, I don't want to like, I don't have like uh you know, I don't ever feel like I need to get back at anybody. I don't feel like I need to like prove anything to anybody. You know, I'm just here unconditionally to help you, you know, and I'm not judgmental, you know, I'm, I have, to have a lot of unconditional love. It's all comes from faith. So these are all things that, you know, li- you know, listening, paying attention. Um, these are all like religious things that I think really helped with basketball. The, I mean, you hit on it. That's you went to Maryland and uh, ended up transferring to Towson. What was it about Towson that Maryland didn't provide in terms of you know working with you through your uh, you know through your faith? Well, I just love that coach called me up and he said, "Look, the guys on the team aren't Jewish. Nobody here is Jewish, but they respect you. They read about what happened at Maryland." they asked me to come recruit you. So can we learn more about your religion? And then I sat with the coach and we went over all the, the schedule and when the Sabbath begins and ends. And he's like, let me see what I could do. And, and he, he got the check He got the um, schedule changed. Wow. I think until today, I'm the only person to ever do that in division one basketball, get a scholarship. And, and, you know, it was, it was seen as impossible because of the basketball community at Towson. I was able to live out my dream and I'm 40 today. And, there isn't one day that goes by that I don't say, thank God that was a miracle. And I'm forever grateful to them. And, you know, the cool thing is I graduated from a Christian high school, predominantly African-American, even though I'm Jewish, I roomed with a Muslim player at Towson till today, one of my closest friends and just basketball has the, the coolest part about basketball is the relationships is, is, you know, I don't think there's any other platform in the world that has proven itself to bring people together more than basketball because it basketball only thing two two things matter. Like, can you play and are you respectful? Do you, you yeah. know, do you respect the game? Do you respect your teammates? If you have those two things, it doesn't matter who you are, or where you are, you're going to have relationships for the rest of your life. And that's like a big part of my life now. And I'm glad I got to, to experience it and hopefully now pass it on. I think basketball players in general, because we're, we have one of the few uh, sports where it's very global. Uh, you know, the, the football is it's it's people watch it, follow it, obviously, in other countries. But, uh, you know, baseball, same thing. I mean, I was at the Phillies game last night, so I'm I'm following following hardcore with baseball. But uh, basketball is that one where it's just completely global and you really do make those relationships. When I try to explain to someone about playing overseas and playing professional basketball around the world, 
you really understand culture so much better than you would if you just played in the NFL or something like that. I think uh, even NBA guys who spend a lot of their time there and then head overseas, you really do get that appreciation for the world, appreciation for other cultures and appreciation for learning other languages and learning about, you know, the differences between people and how those differences aren't really different and how they can help you build relationships in the future. I think it's one of the few places where you have that ability and a few jobs where you have that ability and you come out a completely different person when you started. Yeah, I think you said it perfectly. The more diverse we are, the more we realize how one we really are, you know, Mm -hmm. how much we really are in common. And um, yeah, it's such a beautiful thing. I love that I have friends from all over the world, all different faiths, all different backgrounds. It's it's really awesome. It's probably like the coolest thing. I love it. Well, I'd love that. I mean, just because there's, there's been quotes you said, like who's the people have told you, like whoever's going to accommodate you. And you realize that we, you know, when people have appreciation and people have that uh, love for the game, uh, people will, people will work with you, uh, especially if you can bring something, uh, not only basketball wise, but, you know, mentally and, and uh, to a team. I think that's really cool. So the thousand experience, you go to thousand, you're able to, you're able to get that uh, schedule shifted and you end up having an incredible, terrific career. Did that, when you were a thousand, I mean, obviously you're from, you're originally from the Baltimore area. So right. was that a lot easier when you were kind of close to close to everything? It was a lot easier um, because it, back 20 years ago, it was a lot harder to keep kosher, much yeah. harder. Today, you could almost go into any Walmart or Target anywhere in America and find kosher products. It's it's unbel- It's something that like, if you would have told me that 20 years ago, we would have, I wouldn't, it's unbelievable. It's really <laughs> unbelievable. So I still had to be close to home and that like, my mom would like restock me with kosher food, meet me at, meet us at the airport, like in between away games or, and I just, she, it, like the food issue was like, I kind of needed to be close to home. Um, so that was very helpful. Yeah. For, I would like the first thing that comes to mind is the food. Yeah. It's much easier now though. Like I was recently, I went to Auburn and stuff and I'm like, I'm in Auburn, Alabama. There is, there pro, there's like almost zero Jews here. And yet I was able to go to a local target and have find bread that was kosher. Like it's fascinating. It's amazing. What's going on in America. It's incredible. That's, that's great. <laughs> yeah. So you, when you were young, you were labeled, they called, they said the Jewish Jordan, that was not a label that you created. It was, it was created by the media. Was that, were you ever just like, Oh Jesus Christ. Like, were you ever, sorry. Like, were you ever like, Oh my God, here we go. Like this is, or were you just kind of like, all right, I'm going to embrace this. Was that a tough yeah, thing? Cause I I'm never, thinking. Yeah. I never felt comfortable with it. I never felt comfortable. I'm just not that type of person. I'm just like, I'm much like being a easy, like private family person. And here I am. There was one time where I had 700 media requests in one week. Wow. So there is a concept in Judaism that says like, you know, you do sometimes you do have to step out of your comfort zone. So I, I got that, you know, but I, like I said earlier, it's more about like, it wasn't about me. It was about something bigger than myself. Like how can I use the Jewish Jordan to maybe inspire a kid out there? That's like embarrassed of their faith or their culture. How can mm-hmm. I use it to like unite people? Like how can I use it to like a bigger thing than just my ego? That's like a big concept that's always made sense to me. And that kind of helped me get through it. And it's another thing that I think about all the time when I talk to young players, it's like, there's this whole world of basketball where it's like, Hey, you know, this person said, I'm not good. 
all my energy is going to prove that guy wrong or prove them wrong. Like, I, I'm going to show you how good I am. You don't know how good I am. Right. And I always say like, if you do that, that your only proof, your energy is a, like in a ne negative vibe, but B it's like, you're, 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 you're only proving yourself up until that person's ego. Whereas if you're going after your inner potential and what God sees in you, it's all the way up here. So why not like focus your energy in like what God sees in you, which is like all the way here, instead of like putting all your energy and proving someone else wrong, which is like maybe at this height or this height, yeah. you know, because like, what happens if once you prove that guy wrong now, what, like, where are you going now? Right. You're yeah. stuck. So, you know, I never tried to like show everyone, Hey, I'm the Jewish Jordan. This is it. This is where it's going. It, it, it just, that type of thought process never really, it not who I ever was, um, I guess because of the way that I grew up. Um, so yeah, it wasn't who I was, but I had to pick myself up and try to embrace it for something bigger than myself than, instead of just my own ego. Cause then I would have definitely crashed. There's no way I would have been able to like go through all that. <laughs> the trash talking because of your faith, because you're such a kind human being, but because you had that hype, I can imagine that people were saying things to you and talking trash was that something that you were just that did that ever annoy you or were you just blocking that out yeah i was able to just play through things i was definitely able to just play and um many many times even if some things were like there was one game we were i'm not going to mention the team but we played against an sec team sec team in college and there wasn't a lot it was not a jewish area i could just tell yeah. you that <laughs> They were, you know, making fun of my kippah the whole night. They were singing mm. a chant like, where did number 22 get his hat from? The rabbi, the rabbi. You know, they were just going on about it. And um, I didn't say anything. I just kept playing and playing. And at the end of the game, they were waiting for me at the team bus, at our bus. And um, I wanted to get on the bus. They blocked the bus. They didn't let me get on the bus. And for like a second, I was nervous. I'm like, hey, you guys are thinking, I was thinking, you guys were making fun of me the whole night. Why don't you just let, at least let me get on the bus and, you know, and then they stopped me and they said, Hey, you know what? We just want to shake your hand. And I'm like, shake my hand. You were like, you know, on me all night long. And they're like, yeah, we, we respect that. Even though we made fun of you, you never took the hat off, you know, congratulations. So that happened a lot. Like, even if there was like anti-Semitism or whatever, a lot of times it ended up just ended up turning into something positive. If you just stay positive, I guess, yeah. you know, I think that's the best way to do it. Ryan Terrell just got uh, drafted in the G League last night. Uh, I know you guys obviously communicate and talk. Uh, the his label is the same. Uh, they're they're relabeling him, and a lot of uh, comparisons between the two. Uh, being that OG now, what advice would you have for Ryan going into the G League, where you know he's going to have to face you know similar turmoil that you had to? Yeah, well, I think. Um... I think in, in a certain way, the millennial generation has brought a, a great awareness to cultural sensitivity and respecting others. You know, I think the world is much more advanced now in that sense, in a lot of ways. So I think he is going to be embraced, which is make, makes me really happy. I even just watching the tweets of the team and everything and like welcoming him, welcoming him to the community and things like that. So I think he's, I think the world's a little bit more ready now. Um, and I, I would tell him to just keep doing what he's doing. Um, listen, pay attention, be resilient, be on time. Just do everything that, that he's doing. Work hard, enjoy the ride. Um, be proud of who you are. Um, respect others. And, you know, just just try to enjoy it. And try. To, everyone's like, so we're so, we live in a society that's, 
we're always rushing to the next thing. Right? I think sometimes it's like, good, enjoy. Hey man, I'm at practice. I'm playing professional basketball in Detroit. Like, this is awesome. Like, you know, enjoy, enjoy the ride. Sometimes it's, we forget to enjoy the ride. How often are you able to get back to the, the United States, the Baltimore area? Is that something that you guys do regularly? Does your family, right. you know, to, to kind of see, cause I always think about like, how is my child going to see who I, who I was? So do you ever take right. them back? Is that something that you? We do. I'm much more now since after the pandemic. Uh, there was a while where I, you know, like four or five years where I didn't really go back. But now because of the net and our relationship with Dick's Sporting Goods, and I signed a movie deal, I have a new book coming out and my kids are getting older. So I find myself, well, we, yeah, by February, I, you know, I've gone in August. I'm going in December. I'm going in. Fe- yeah, I go like every two to three months now, because of everything I got going on. But before that, I was kind of just here. Yeah. I, I think yeah, the pandemic like changed a lot. The net changed a lot for me in my life. That's great. That's that's really cool. The movie, a movie deal, a book. That, this is this is great. Yeah, yeah. The movie deal. Really excited. Uh, great producer. Um, the same team who did the uh, Kevin Garnett doc. Oh, nice. um, I'm very excited about that. And um, I'm also very, very dyslexic, uh, you know, very dyslexic. So I, I wrote a children's book about uh, being a dyslexic basketball player, wow. kind of um, to inspire kids that have learning challenges to n- not make themselves feel like a victim. Yes. Because whatever, whatever challenge you have, there's some hidden blessing you have that other people don't have because of your challenge. Yeah. And just try to empower them. You know, I think that's like a, a big deal because I barely passed my SATs. But then when I got to Towson, I made Dean's list. So it it doesn't really mean anything. These these terms, these the way they coin you. And a lot of kids, when they find out they have a learning challenge, they find out they're dyslexic. They start crying, feel down about themselves. They feel like, you know, but it's, it's not really like that. So try to empower them through this book. I'm really excited about it. It's coming out in the spring. That's really incredible. Uh, just because I that resonates with me, I. You know, I, I grew up with severe ADHD and it was just a struggle and I still struggle with it to this day and where uh, something will distract me for a second. And I'm like, wait, what was I saying? I was I did an interview and the guy asked me like a two part question. I was like, shoot, I don't understand. I don't I can't remember what he said in the first part. So it's just kind of like humming and hawing for a little bit. And it's one of those things where I just you just lose focus. So when I wrote my book, that was the biggest struggle. I was just had to lock myself away and anytime i was distracted i was like wait where was i at where was i at and i just started it was like uh i can't remember the name of the movie the guy's writing all over his body because i was just like okay i have an idea i need to write it down right now and i would just pull out my phone and just like talk into it i think it's just crazy but i think what you're doing uh bringing light to that is is wild because that that just that sits with me really deeply because that's something that i struggle with so having that connection to to see that you also struggled but were able to overcome is is uh really good and inspiration for for young athletes and young people everywhere who struggle with those different things and everyone thinks our lives are like this perfect thing or everyone thinks if we're not getting good grades it's because you know we're not we're being lazy and we're only focusing on basketball it is great to hear other people share their story where okay listen i'm I have this issue where I struggled with this because this is how, this is how, you know, I was 
bored and now I have to, you know, figure it out. So it's really great to hear that other people had this struggle as well. And you kind of connect over that. Yeah. Thank you so much. I think, um, yes, like you said, maybe back in the day, we maybe would tend to keep some of these things quiet, but one of the things the millennial generation is it's okay to talk about things. It inspires other people. It's healthy and it's good. And it unites people. You know, it's very hard for me to inspire someone if they think my life is perfect or, you know, it, it's much easier to relate to people and say, Hey, I'm struggling with dyslexia. Maybe you have dyslexia. We're more likely to help each other because we understand each other. We relate it much more than, you know, if you think someone, someone's life is perfect and they're telling you what to do, it's like, okay, you can't resonate with like what I'm going through. So I agree. Where's the future of, uh, you know, your entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial, life going what's your what's the what do you what's in the future for you besides the net yeah so i would say three things the net like the moisture working and antimicrobial like component it's going really well everyone loves that but we're in about two weeks having our first pro in-game uh game where a major bank is going to be featured live you know on the net like with the logo yeah and right now that sounds like a crazy idea but i i really hope that soon having something on the net, a logo on the net is going to be like acceptable in, in leagues all over. Um, especially, you know, overseas where like it could help the help make more money for the team. It's hard for, for teams overseas to make money. They just don't have the TV deals, the sponsorship deals. And if this could help a team, you know, get land another sponsor, you know, that, that would be great. And then the players could get more money too. The team's making more money. Right. Yeah. So I, I really want that to become standard. Um, I want to relaunch my zone 190 after what happened to me. Um, I'm ready to do that. Uh, the, the, the company signed off that they won't do it anymore. And all that's kind of stopped. So I could relaunch it now. And then my favorite thing, I'm proud of it, anything is, um, you know, helping other startups, you know, helping. Thank God I've been blessed with a lot of relationships. Like you spoke about earlier on a lot of people who I played with are now GMs, are now, you know, front office executives or they work at the NBA HQ and things like that. So, um, you know, I, I have a lot of good relationships and I, I could help people through like a phone call basically a lot yeah. of times. So, <laughs> so I like doing that too, kind of being an advisor or a consultant for a lot of other companies. That's great. Well, Tamir, I really appreciate your time hopping on the podcast yeah. uh, today sharing your story. I think our, our listeners are going to get a lot out of this, uh, a lot of out of your story and a lot of out of, out of your journey. And we really appreciate your time. Yeah. Thank you for thinking of me and God bless you and your family and everybody in America. And, um, please send my love. Thank you. Thank you, Tamir. All right. Appreciate you. Tamir Goodwin, Overseas Famous Podcast. Lots of fun. Really shared some important stuff. Usually I just, I, I shut the interview down. Uh, after this, but I feel like I almost wanted to like just you know take a second and just rest, think about a lot of the things that Tamir said. I thought that was very important. I thought what he was talking about was very important. Um, yeah, Tamir Goodman, the Overseas Famous Podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Subscribe on all our things. Uh, we'll put them on the screen for YouTube, but uh, obviously go to iTunes. Subscribe to Overseas Famous. Go to YouTube, subscribe to Overseas Famous. Uh, follow us at Overseas Famous on Instagram and Twitter. And yeah, we'll see you guys next time on the Overseas Famous Podcast.